Welcome to the Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network, the voice of Minnesota agriculture. Congress returns to work this week following the Thanksgiving break. Shortly before the break, a continuing resolution was passed to fund the government until mid-January. The resolution also extended the 2018 Farm Bill for another year. With Congress back in session, agriculture advocates like National Cattlemen's Beef Association Vice President of Government Affairs Ethan Lane will be back in Washington, D.C. with plenty on their plates. Lane joined the Linder Farm Network's Lynn Kettleson. Ethan, you, you have an interesting job right now in Washington trying to figure out what's going on, I'm sure, with legislation and so on. Is the uh, is it as bad as far as the division as we see on TV among the uh, legislators? Well, I you know I, I've been in Washington long enough to 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 you know recognize when you don't need to add additional hyperbole to an already sort of hypercharged situation. <laughs> but but yeah, in some ways this is the worst I've ever seen. Um, I think some of the personal. Uh, acrimony between members of the House Republican Conference. Um, Part of it is they've been in town for 10 weeks together. So, you know, you don't typically see that. They're in town for a few weeks, then they go home and they spend some time on the road in their districts. They recharge their batteries and then they come back for another round. 10 weeks is a long time for the for the family to all be together. And and I think we're seeing that a little bit in how they're starting to deal with each other. Um, You know, it was really positive that they left town with a spending bill uh, across the finish line. Uh, the new speaker really needed to be able to demonstrate that he could get something like that moved. Um, you know, he, he benefits from an existing structure that really is working well. Uh, Whip Tom Emmer is a pro. His operation is first class. And, and we're seeing the results of that in, you know, the new speaker's ability to come right in, gather everybody up, and get something done uh, to avoid further, I guess, further embarrassment, you know, after a pretty, pretty rough fall um, in, in Washington. What are the big issues that you're working on right now? So we, we obviously have a pretty uh, diverse supply chain in the, in the cattle industry, but we're, we're spending a lot of our focus right now um, on that farm bill process, on sort of those larger, uh, uh, larger discussions in D.C. You know, whenever you get into appropriation season uh, in a Congress where not a lot else is moving, um, that tends to be where all the action is. So we're, we're really kind of paying attention to Uh, Some of the attacks we're seeing in those processes on the checkoff system. There's a lot of animal rights activist interest right now in commodity checkoffs. Um, They're spending a tremendous amount of money. They're putting money into uh, third-party astroturf or fake farmer groups that are running around Washington spending lots of cash and, and, you know, saying basically, don't believe the real farm and ranch organizations. Trust us when we tell you the system's broken and you should throw it all out. Um, So we're spending a lot of time educating lawmakers right now about the benefits of those commodity checkoffs helping them understand the vast majority of producers around the country that very much support those programs um, and, and encouraging them not to, uh, not to listen to you know, folks that just came in out of the, uh, you know, out of the darkness and, and are telling them they need to upend that whole system. Um, that's that's a, a key priority for us. Uh, we're also watching a lot of the rulemaking taking shape at USDA. Uh, Secretary Vilsack in his second term has spent a lot of time trying to revisit uh, the things he didn't get done in his first time uh, in office. Chief among those is uh, radical changes to the Packers and Stockyards Act. Um, this is something that goes all the way back to the 2008 Farm Bill and, and that, that quest to establish sort of a framework for uh, proving harm to competition in the supply chain, whether that be chicken, pork, beef. Um, there's been a bunch of different efforts to tackle that over the years. The latest one we're seeing play out now uh, they promulgated a final rule uh, dealing with the poultry tournament system just last week. 
We're expecting more rules in that series in the months to come, uh, including one that's at OMB now uh, that they're calling the inclusive competition rule. I think that's probably uh, the easiest way to describe that as it's kind of the Bidenomics portion of, the, of this package, right? It's dealing with what they're calling uh, uh, um, market vulnerable individuals and seeking to define what a market vulnerable individual is. Um, I keep trying to remind people that I have never met a, a farmer, a rancher that is not a market vulnerable individual. So I don't know how you segregate one portion of those and say they're, they're additionally vulnerable. Uh, this is an inherently vulnerable business uh, that, we're, that we're working for uh, here, in, here in the cattle industry. So that's a lot of what we're paying attention to right now. We're also expecting rules on animal disease traceability and beef labeling out of USDA. So there's a lot going on at the moment. One of the frustrating things for me as a reporter is seeing how cattle in general are under, under attack because of climate change. And it, it has to be frustrating as a lobbyist right now to talk to people about, we've had buffalo, we've had livestock for forever. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, data is really our friend here. The more we learn about how grazing animals interact with the environment and the benefits that they provide, the better we understand why it's so important to keep those grazing animals out there on that landscape. If, you're, if you don't have those, those systems being managed the way nature intended for them to be managed, you lose them, right? You, you lose them to invasive weeds. You lose them to intensive wildfire. You lose them to a lack of, of uh, you know, that kind of rotation that you get from hooves and, and grass being torn and all of the, that important work that gets done. Um, and so educating folks about that has been a real game changer for the cattle industry. Ten years ago, if you said climate change in a cattle industry meeting, you know, they'd throw things at you from the back of the room. Now farmers and ranchers understand that they're a positive on that environment. They're, they're a benefit wherever, they, wherever they're, uh, you know, in, in operation. So getting that message out and helping consumers to understand that when they choose to buy a steak, right, instead of, uh, you know, a fake meat burger or some other kind of, you know, alternative way of feeding their family, they're not just choosing something that tastes better, but they're, they're making a positive choice for the environment as well. Uh, and it's not, it's not an either or. It's, it's, a, it's a complete package. And, and that's, that's been a really interesting uh, you know, change in, in how people look at this, this suite of issues. Um, but we've always got more work to do. You know, there's always a new angle on it and there's always a new, uh, a, a new piece of it we need to talk about and help people understand feedlots, right? It's, it's, if you're not in the cattle business, it's very hard to understand how a feedlot operates and why that's such a critical part of the sustainability story, right? Why it's using, you know, parts of, of, of other agricultural supply chains and byproducts to get cattle up to weight much faster than they would if they were on grass being finished is a tremendous improvement, right? And that technology is something we do better than anywhere else, uh, anyone else in the world. You know, these other beef producing systems around the world look at us and say, how do you do it? Why are you producing the highest quality, best tasting beef in the world with the lowest environmental footprint? How are you beating us year over year over year? And it's that mix of environments that are purpose built to graze, using the best available technology and doing it at scale in a really efficient way. So, so you're a lobbyist. It's hard for, I'm sure, most of us to figure out what exactly you do. What does a lobbyist do? Who do you provide the information with? And are you working with the staff? or the actual legislator, how, how does that work? So I, I always uh, tell people when, I, when we're talking about, you know, Washington and lobbyists and how that whole system works, you know, everybody imagines all of these kind of shadowy figures, right, that are, <laughs> that are representing nefarious people. In reality, no matter who you are in the country, no matter how you spend your time, and that's your work life, your home life, and your hobbies, 
there are people in Washington being paid to represent you in those in those various endeavors. If you're if you're you know your your relaxation on the weekends is inner tubing down the river, there's somebody in Washington that's advocating for your ability to inner tube down that river. If you enjoy eating beef, we're here advocating for your ability to access that beef at a reasonable price and 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 you know at close to home. And we advocate for the producers that produce it. And and everyone around the country has those different representatives in Washington. And that's important to the system because if you don't have that direct advocacy, and that's really what we're doing is educating on a regular basis, right? You have 435 members of Congress, 100 senators. All of them have staff members coming from all walks of life. All of them reading different media and watching different social media channels and reading different newspapers. How are they supposed to know what's real and what's not if they don't have representation from credible organizations representing tens of thousands of of folks in their industry and saying, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for the largest group that got together in one place. And what I'm telling you is that group believes X, Y, Z about this issue. And and that's really what we do in Washington is help them understand fact versus fiction and, and kind of the direction the constituents of that particular industry want to go. Ethan Lane, National Cattlemen's Beef Association on the Linder Farm Network. Thanks for listening. Find other podcasts on linderfarmnetwork.com, Apple, and Spotify. And be sure to get all the latest in farm news and market information from your local LFN affiliate.